0: Welcome to episode two of The Hills Have Nerds, your Appalachian nerd-based podcast about nerd stuff and nerd things for nerds who like nerdery. Say nerd enough, or you're
1: a nerd. Dang, do it again. All right, take two. I like nerds. <laughs> All <laughs> right, <laughs> it's good, candy.
0: Let's get into it. So today our topic is tabletop RPGs. I'm one of your hosts, Josh. And I'm joined by Aaron. Aaron,
1: that's me. And joined by (laughs) Cody.
0: Cody. And today we have a special guest, Pat. Hello. Uh, Lee couldn't be with us today. His bodies decided to try to kill him.
1: He didn't have the galls to be with us. I mean, he's not going to have a gall later. I know. (laughs) That that was the joke. Right.
0: He still (laughs) got it right now. For anybody that hasn't picked up on the joke, Lee's having his gallbladder out. Anyway. And I apologize for everything that just happened. <laughs> okay, so, Pat. I so apologize Pat.
1: for that intro. <laughs> I wasn't know we were going to, like, take turns <laughs> introducing each other. Yeah, I thought right, said
0: that before.
1: I thought yeah. we were talking
2: about historical galls. That would have been better. Probably would have been better to <laughs> that's, that's a different
0: episode. No, today is tabletop RPGs. And um, we're gonna go over what they are, some things of note about them, some of our favorite tabletop role-playing systems. Um, We're gonna do some tips and tricks to get started, things to look out for, some pitfalls new players get into. And um, if we have a little bit of time, we're gonna go into into our our thoughts on some of the news surrounding um, the tabletop community right now. But first, we're going to get into a, our kind of intro segment we're going to try to start doing um, four episodes of, of what what media we're consuming currently. What nerd stuff are we into right now? And we'll start with, with Pat. Pat, do you want to introduce yourself and tell a little bit about yourself?
2: Sure. Uh, my name's Patrick, uh, or Pat as most of my friends call me. And uh, I'm a manager at a hobby store. Uh, and I have been role-playing and doing most games like this in since i think around 84 or 85 when my uncle introduced me to it with the first red box DND. so what other nerd stuff are you into pat what do you liking? oh i love comic books i'm heavy into those uh video games i think right now my biggest passion are some of uh, older movies fantasy-based movies horror-based mm-hmm. movies Especially um, Hammer House ones or uh, some older Italian horror movies.
0: Okay. There was an Italian horror movie I actually watched the other day. It was a a black and white. I can't remember the name of it for the life of me, but it was... um, Nope, <laughs> <laughs> it completely left me. Absolutely left me. I just watched it the other day. And it was well, not a much much sub- impression. Yeah, subtitled and everything. And I thought we were going to have some pretty good conversation about that, but I forgot everything about it. <laughs> anyway, let's move into the first segment. Um, so we're going to talk about what are we currently playing? Like, Pat, are you, are you playing any things or any kind of media you're consuming? Are there any, any video games yeah. you're, you're um, playing right
2: now, currently? Not really video games as much. I don't have that much time to devote to a lot of the more hardcore video games mm-hmm. uh lately um but as far as uh, role-playing yeah i'm playing a couple of games of uh, uh pathfinder first edition at the moment
0: yeah well, one with me and Aaron. Yeah. Yep. yeah we play every we play pat's our, our benevolent dungeon master for our uh, thursday role-playing group and he led us through a um a Dresden Files
2: type, sort of, name. yeah, yeah.
0: Just yeah. a kind of urban fantasy, yeah. Using style. the
2: old uh, Whistling Games D sixes. So. <coughs> yeah,
0: so we did that, and now we're uh, we're starting up Pathfinder. We'll get more into that. We go on. Um What about reading? Are you reading anything? Is there anything?
2: Uh well, right now I'm rereading the Sherlock Holmes Cthulhu case book. I'm back rereading the uh, Sherlock Holmes Cthulhu Case Files. It's a three-book series. It's really good. Oh, that's uh, you know, Instead of uh, basic Sherlock Holmes, he actually encounters all the weird yeah. Elder God stuff that goes on in that. So yeah, we, we talked about
0: that in one yeah. of the, the sessions the other night. And there's a, um, just to add on to that, there's that Neil Gaiman short story that's, um, it's a study in Emerald and it's a play on the study in Crimson, the the Arthur Conan Doyle, Sherlock Holmes. It's Arthur Conan Doyle, yeah. Holmes, Sherlock Holmes, right? Yeah. yeah. So it's the Arthur Conan Doyle, Sherlock Holmes style.
3: feel like I need style. to read that Cthulhu book because I mean, I love Cthulhu stuff and I've just recently read through uh, Sherlock Holmes, like the whole compendium of it. They're right. very
2: good. Oh yeah. They really stick to the original Sherlock Holmes stuff and then just throw away Gigantic amount of Cthulhu in it. <laughs> I get it fits amazing. too. I
0: think like Sherlock Holmes always had kind of that like mysticism veil oh, yeah. to it, even yeah, like yeah. the Hound of the Baskervilles, even everything turns out yeah. to be. But it always has that kind of. It could be, you know the 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 mystique of Moriarty and all that, and that just fits in yeah. mm-hmm. to the to the you know Lovecraftian theme there. I just feel like that can be superimposed on top of Sherlock Holmes.
2: Yeah. And really they're good. very good. They're they're not horribly. Thick books either, so you can run through them pretty fast. Who do they buy? Uh, I don't know off the top of my head. I can...
0: fast. That out. And we'll go to we'll go to Aaron real quick. So, what are, what are you currently playing, watching, reading, Aaron? Um, can, uh, what nerd media are you consuming right now?
1: Nerd media, I'm like yeah. sitting right now. Well, let's see. Uh, currently, I have been playing Celasta a lot. Yeah, uh, we well, I say a lot. A few times I get to play. It, <laughs> but I've been able to play it. Um, we have played Celesta like, for at least minutes. Yeah, at least like two times that I've played it. <laughs> yeah. I've enjoyed it. I mean, we played it for a few hours when we did. And what is Celesta? Celesta, uh, which is perfect for this for this episode. <laughs> yeah, um, it is the. It's very similar to a D and a digital version of like D and D. You create your character. There's a storyline you can play. Well, we've been we played the other day. I really enjoyed the uh, the endless dungeon. Yeah. Whatever it was called. Uh, I think max level is 12, and you pick your character, uh, backstory, class, stats, basic D and um, and you get all that together, and you're running through the storyline, or like we did the endless dungeon, you run through the dungeon. Right. Besides that, I, I'm always playing Dragon Age. Um, I've been attempting to run through Dragon Age again so I'm on the Inquisition and I keep going on and off on Inquisition like I'm playing it for a bit and then I quit playing it and I play it again and then I'm like oh crap what was I doing? Well I gotta start all over again <laughs> and then I end up starting all over again so um, but uh, I was watching gosh I'm watching tons of stuff What's um, like your favorite thing you're watching? That was the one that you're you're excited to to f- to finish. Oh, you're, you're. oh gosh. Um. Uh Wow. I'm trying to remember what the last thing I watched. Pass. Yeah, one of the past on that for now. <laughs> Reading. I I don't read a lot. I'm gonna be honest. I don't very read very a lot of things. There. I read stuff every now and then, but it's a very rare occasion. Um. Man, I can't remember the last like show that I. It's hard to keep up because Brittany keeps changing what shows we're watching. She gets me into something. She's like, "Hey, check this out!" And I'm like, "Oh, this is really cool." And then we watch a few episodes, and then she's like, "Yeah, but I want to watch these comfort shows that she likes to watch." Yeah. And so that's what we end up watching. Like today, we ended up watching *Impractical Jokers* mm-hmm. instead of you know the like dozens of shows. Like I haven't finished *House of Dragon* because she. I've been trying to watch it with her, and she doesn't want to watch anymore because there's not a season two. <laughs> um, so maybe this episode, you don't let Brittany listen. <laughs> <laughs> oh, she knows. We've we've had this discussion. It's it's already a thing. Yeah. Um, but I so I it, it's hard to keep straight what I'm watching and what I'm not because there's so many different things. Yeah. Um, I guess recently I I can like think of I watched uh, the Vinland Saga, which was really good. It's a really good anime. Uh, fantastic. It place takes place. It's crazy. It takes place over in Norway, you know, with Vinland, and takes place with Vikings. It makes no sense. I know, crazy. <laughs> um, but it does take, like, six episodes of backstory before they start getting into the actual story, but it's really good stuff. Is it one of those animes like
0: One Piece and Dragon no. Ball Z or Naruto where it's got, like, there's three episodes that are amazing, and then you have ten episodes of filler that could be cut, and it would not...
1: No, no, it, it's actually been really good. There's only one season. They're just now starting the second season. Okay, right. so it hasn't had time yeah. to...
2: What, there's no multiple episodes of two characters staring at each other? <laughs> so far, favorite. no, no. Oh, good. A,
1: a Vinland song? No, actually. Um uh, it, 40 minutes of that. <laughs> 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 just <laughs> hardcore. Surprising it's... so far, they haven't been to Vinland, so... But they've talked about it several times. Nice. Well, Cody, what about you? I think Pat's got his... Who oh,
2: did you? Yeah, yeah it's, it's called the... Cthulhu Case Books, Sherlock Holmes, and The Shadwell of Shadows is the first one by James Lovegrove. Um, Not Lovecraft, Lovegrove. Right.
0: Yeah. Perfect. Okay. Well, Cool. And I try to, like, collect this stuff because when, when we post these podcasts, which, if anybody's listening, this this has already been posted. Congratulations, you found us. Um, when we post these, I gonna put, you know, stuff in the show notes about what we talk about so yeah. people can, can find it. Yeah. If anything sounds interesting to somebody, <laughs> they can pursue it. Yeah. Okay, well so Cody, what about you?
3: fine is I just currently finished uh Lunar Silver Star Story Complete. It's oh. a remake of a Sega C D game on the PS one. One yeah. of my favorite games. Oh uh, it was one uh honestly a fantastic RPG. I, I don't know if it's my favorite, but as far as going back and playing, it's one of the best from its time, I would say.
0: What's the uh, what's the uh, what's basis uh, the basis of the story? The
3: basis is it. there is this young boy in a town, and he has a uh,
2: every boy?
0: every RPG <laughs> a young boy in a town who becomes <laughs> the hero. So it's Earthbound.
3: Same thing, identical. <laughs> okay, no. is uh, he a uh, secret Mana <laughs> No, he actually has parents. Oh, yeah, okay. but he is. Uh, <laughs> he's setting out to be the new Dragon Master. Oh, so this
0: legend to is Legend of Dragoo.
3: Was that a Dragon Master? I don't know. No. I'll just name him. <laughs> yeah. But he's set up to be a Dragon Master. He has to go around and meet all the dragons. Dragon and co- Collect all those things from them. There yeah. you go. Right. So I just finished it and started up Fire Emblem Gage recently. And that was one you got the collector's edition of. Yeah, that's the one I picked up from later. Is it worth it for the collector's edition? Of course it is. Let's, I have all the collector's editions of the Fire Emblems. It turns out it's so. the same
1: game. <laughs>
3: <So> just keep buying <laughs> the exact same game over and over. No, I'm not playing Call of Duty. <laughs> Ooh,
0: fair. Oh, shots fired at the Call of Duty fandom.
1: Anyway. <laughs> they're all the same. They're all the same. At least they're more different than Madden. I, said, playing, uh, I mean, They
3: are.
0: They literally did that. Though, listen. I've listen. I, I played Madden, okay? I'm, I'm mad go where I got buddies that play mad when you get to go to play mad the Madden tr- not Madden 2020 or no it was Madden 18 and Madden 19 were almost indistinguishable save for they put new banners in the stadiums yeah
1: oh yeah that's uh, perfect
0: um, and uh, they're obviously the, the rosters were changed I mean that's yeah. literally all it was
1: was it control alt delete? Yeah. I think did the, the, the comic, and they were like, The guy was like, Hey, you ready to go to drinks? He was like, right, Hold on, I gotta, we gotta update the new Madden game. And he just changed the number for yeah. the year, and he was like, All right, we're ready to go. Yeah.
0: But we still buy these things,
3: <laughs> Sorry, go ahead, Cody. <laughs> anyway, uh, the only thing I'm currently watching uh, is uh, The Last of Us, mm. and I've uh, not seen the most recent episode the one from last night yeah it came out at nine o'clock last night and i've not watched it yet
0: did you watch the one before that yes with sam and yeah i knew like
3: i played the game and i knew what was coming for it and i was still not ready
0: <laughs> yeah i want to talk about it so bad but we don't no. want to do spoilers and you're gonna watch it right yeah, eventually when you get through with when, my when, 600 pound when, life, the
1: yeah. <laughs> <When laughs> current season of- and my 600 pound life, and uh, uh, <laughs> recently she's been watching Hotel Hell and everything except you know the things that we've started. When you get
0: done with the most current season of the Blank Housewives
1: of Blank,
0: you can watch you know yeah. The Last of Us and some <laughs> some good media.
3: Yeah, and I just started reading The Outsider by Stephen King. Mm. That's good. I really just started it. I've
0: never read The Outsider, but I've, I've, I've heard good
3: things. I'm not real far into it, so I, mean, I yeah. can't really speak much on it. i only at the main beginning when the you know the child was murdered and they're trying to figure it
2: out. Yeah, so. it was a really good TV series based on that too.
3: Yeah, I thought about starting it on because it's on HBO with The Last of Us. So.
2: Oh, was that based on Stephen King book?
3: Yeah.
1: Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah.
3: So, so Josh, what are you consuming?
0: Huh? Mostly high fat foods fair enough no um i'm watching the last of us i got barbecue ribs in the fridge well, we gotta get this podcast over with <laughs> um yeah i've been watching the last of us that's what elizabeth and i have been, uh, been watching i watched with my kid too we watched um ant-man and the wasp quantum mania yeah this weekend and i i don't agree with any of the critics i thought it was an amazing
2: movie i uh-huh. thought it to be perfectly fair, I typically don't agree with critics. So. Yeah, I thought it was a very good movie. That's that was a at least a 9 out of 10 for me. Yeah, I thought
0: yeah. it was amazing. I, I loved um, it. I some of this I, I felt like in some scenes they could have dialed back on the comedy a little bit and it would have been better
2: for it, but so I felt um, like that with the uh uh Thor level. Thunder. Thunder. Oh, oh 11 yeah. Yeah, Thunder was egregious. There was way too much forced comedy in there. Yeah.
3: That. I think Ragnarok's still my favorite one. It had the perfect amount of
0: yeah comedy. Ragnarok hit well; like it paced well. It didn't feel like it was throwing it at you. But but as far as Ant Man the Wasp goes, we um we rented out the theater. We went there. Was there? Pat was there. You weren't there. Yeah, I actually had to like my birthday and my
3: aunt's birthday like combined into one day. So I was, the
1: perfect excuse. You should have brought your
3: aunt.
0: She's to Ant Man. I don't know that she's ever seen a Marvel movie. <laughs> Maybe well, this one was named after he's Ant Man. It'd be a great place to start. <laughs> um, no, it was great. Kang was awesome. Jonathan Majors always kills in everything he does. Yeah. He was great as Kang. Modok shows
1: up. Modok's amazing. Uh, I really enjoyed the way that they did Modok. We gotta avoid spoilers, but
0: yeah, yeah. So in, in, in a couple months, we'll, we'll do some spoilers, some spoilers <laughs> this past, but. It was really good. It was really, really good. Trying to finish Primal on HBO Max. So we talked about that in the first episode. Have you guys had a chance to watch it? No. So good. I
1: have not, sadly.
0: Yeah, Primal. Um, it's this story of, I mean, I can do this Isn't really a spoiler. So it, it's by Gennady Tartakovsky, and I'm going to butcher his name every time I try to say it. It's a cartoon originally aired on Adult Swim. It's basically a story of this caveman and this dinosaur, this T-rex um, spear and fang respectively, which they never refer to each other by name it's just what they're called who kind of form this unlikely bond based on similar trauma that has happened to them and it's them just making their way through this unforgiving you know prehistoric primal world and it's not just, like dinosaurs are threats. It's there are these civilizations they come upon, and, they, and there's all this other stuff that can these ancient magics come into it. Like, there's all kinds of really cool stuff that comes up. And Is it on Earth? Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I guess an Earth. It's gotcha. on a version of Earth because it's, it's, you know, it's man and like theropod dinosaur coexisting at the same time. So, obviously, that didn't, you know, happen on Earth. But, Turok. Yeah. It's got <laughs> kind of, to. But it's really good. So I'm in the second season of that, and it, um, it has some like really. There's very, very, very minimal dialogue mm-hmm. in the show. There's there's some episodes where there's zero talk, like there's no words spoke at all. It's just sound and grunting, and then and stuff happening. Um, the second season of that a little bit, but it's been it's been really, really good. Uh, as far as books for this. Podcast uh, episode in particular, I started reading Game Wizards hmm. um, by, I want to say, John Peterson. I am um, probably probably got that wrong. But it's the story of Dungeons & Dragons from its inception to Gygax losing control of TSR in um, 83, 84. And then I started reading um, Slaying the Dragon, and I cannot remember the author's name to save my life. I'll bring that up later. And that is the story of TSR from Gygax's ousting to the acquisition by Wizards of the Coast. And so I started reading those. And um, and we'll get more into that as the show kicks off. But um, it's chaos, man. It's a lot of people who had a lot of great ideas and zero business acumen at all. (laughs)
3: <laughs> yeah, how all the
2: best companies start. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, really. Yeah. Now, As far as uh, videos, I'm catching up on the last couple of seasons of Blacklist. I don't know if you guys ever watched that. Yes, I've watched. Yeah, I've watched some of it. I'm not yeah. really. That's that's one of my favorite shows. Uh, he is the perfect James Faders in James, Oh James yeah, Frank, yeah, yeah. I mean okay. James Pader's. That is be. my
0: Ultron. Yeah,
2: <laughs> but he is the type of anti-hero because he's not necessarily a bad guy right and uh, that's it, that's the perfect type of character that I love hmm. what's the yeah. basis for Blacklist Like when it's an older show, it's done right? oh yeah it's, it's well, been done for years no 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 it's no, 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 it's, no, no it's, it's still going a, what there was really a, there was a it's, gap it's still going there was a large gap after season 3 of uh 2 or 3 years I think and then they started season 4 and I didn't know it so I've been like powering through all of this. holy
0: crap James Spader's still in it oh
2: yeah 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 he's the main character what's I knew
0: I knew he was the main character initially. know. I, didn't, yeah. I, I oh, thought yeah. his his star had risen above like television. No,
2: no, no, Um The whole synopsis is is that he is, uh, on a, like right at the top of the list of America's most wanted, and he just shows up at a federal building and turns says he wants to see somebody and shows them the ID and then he walks in the middle of the room, sits down, on, gets down on his knees, hands behind his head, and he knows he's going to be arrested, and. He eventually let lets them the government know, "Hey, I have the real list of bad guys that you guys have no idea about, and we're going to take them down."
0: Okay.
2: Because That's I'm going the to blacklist. Yeah. Because I'm going to get immunity for that. Yeah.
0: Okay. Cool. So it's the the. The villain turned hero to
2: say, I wouldn't say hero because idea. the blacklist consists of a lot of the guys he doesn't like, yeah, that are after him, too. So, well, well hero in quotation yeah. marks, yeah,
1: anti hero, yeah.
2: yeah. And then there's a, a female character that uh, he's involved with in it that he only wants to talk to, it's kind of like a daughter figure. Mm. And there's a lot of stuff going around is he her father, is he not, you know, that kind of stuff. So, pretty interesting, yeah.
0: Yeah, I liked um, I liked when I saw Blacklist. I really did. That was around the time uh, I started watching White Collar around that time too. I don't know if you guys ever watched White Collar, but it was mm-hmm. it was good.
1: I was yeah. watching Blacklist at the same time. I was watching uh, what was it, uh, Marvel Shield? Oh, oh yeah. yeah, the, shield, the Marvel so. Shield. Yeah. All right,
0: so yeah. let's get into the meat and potatoes of our show today. You me in so. No, ah. I did not. You did, because you have ribs
1: in your fridge. I do. I don't have any meat and potato. I have meat, but no potatoes. <laughs> I have ribs. I have no meat. No meat. Only the Yeah. It's just it, bones. It, it, it's you guys bones. are going
0: to suck off some bones after this. <laughs> Dear
1: God. So anyway, tabletops. <laughs> yeah, so
0: we're talking about tabletop RPGs. Remember show notes here?
1: All right. Why don't you share the show notes with the rest of us? Aaron, what's tabletop on? <laughs> I see No, hold on. Hold on. Because that's going to stay
0: in this. We're not editing that out. I sent all of these, including Lee, God rest, may he rest in peace, these show notes. What? Four days ago? I don't remember. Maybe. Four days ago. So everyone here knows exactly what we were going to plan to talk about. So don't let Aaron act like I didn't send anything. I did preparation <laughs> for this one. Not like the last episode where we just sat down and flew by the seat of our asses. You made me curse. First time I've cursed so far. It's one. <laughs> You're welcome. <Yeah. laughs> I was I was one. Everybody uh, gets one. Yep. <laughs> no, I'm gonna have more than one. Uh, so Aaron, what are what are tabletop RPGs? Uh, what tabletop
1: role playing games.
0: What what does that mean? You put a game on a table. What kind of game?
1: About whatever you want, really. I mean, there's really a a wide spectrum that that covers. Uh, Tabletop games in general, and then you put in role-playing games. Usually people think of Dungeons & Dragons, Pathfinder, where you are playing a character that you have created and you're role-playing out that character. And scenarios, usually someone who's a DM or dungeon master, controls the world and sets out a scenario and lays out for you. Um, depending on what kind of DM you have, you have different ones. You have railroading DMs. You have uh, Freela. <laughs> well, I can get into multiple ones. Yeah. Uh, but, I mean, you have Just different kinds here. of DMs. But we'll, most get we'll get into that. Yeah, we can that. get more into it. But that's... So, tabletop
0: RPGs are essentially a game you get together and play. It's like a storytelling situation where you're getting together. Someone's presenting a story to a group of people who are the players and you're all building that story together. And there's one person who's kind of facilitating the world and the the NPCs within, right? And then whoever was was playing, they were, they were playing player characters or PCs, and they are living, existing, maybe doing an adventure in that world that the Dungeon Master has, has built, whatever, right?
1: Running a shop. Yeah. <laughs> uh, maybe they just want to sit on a rock for the entire session whatever I, I have had we we have had players who just ran a shop for a session they literally took the shop owner left and they were like well I'm going to run the shop and they took over the shop <laughs> and that's what they did it's strange it just become uh, Tom Nook and then they stole Tiki Torches
0: <laughs> okay so how do we play them what do we play them with
2: don't well, worry. if it really depends, um, most of the time, a dungeon master or a game master, depending on what you go by. Or a keeper. Yeah, there's a lot of titles. Mm-hmm. Um, they, I mean, it could just be you and one person, which a lot of times I've done in the past. Getting groups together is kind of hard sometimes. Oh, yeah. If you... That is the that is the hardest part. I've done. Yeah, yeah. If, you can, the if you can talk
0: to people and say, "Hey, let's meet up at X time on X date," and and people show up, that's it. You've done it. You've done everything you need to do. The hard part of running a tabletop RPG is over with. Yeah, absolutely over. With.
1: Yeah, yeah. So that well, was um, someone actually said that. They're like, "If you're ever nervous about being, being a DM, if you can get people together, you have officially done the hardest parts." Yeah. That is, oh my God, that is so So well, I said the
3: players crazy. essentially run the game on their own. You're just kind of there as a,
1: a god I don't know if run the game is really yeah. like the answer I would say. I
0: said, they ruin the game. game sure. Yeah, they can absolutely derail things in a heartbeat.
2: Yeah, that's that's, just, that's happened many a times before. Hours <laughs> yeah. of
0: planning and creating complex <laughs> backstories and and and. Machinations that build off of each other and these overlapping, in, intertwining storylines that spiderweb spider through a rich and vibrant world and the NPCs chase a... or the, play, the player characters, the PCs, chase a porcupine through the woods for the two-hour session. <laughs> that genuinely happened. I may have been the person that chased the porcupine. I wasn't the dungeon master
2: that That can get very frustrating for a lot of game masters, but I have learned over the many years of playing that you really can't prepare for everything but just have an open mind, use your imagination, and just go with it.
0: So... So I know, I know for some people, and we're going to get more into this towards the end of the episode, um, like tips to get started and things like that. But just to, to get into a little bit of, of the background of Tabletop, um, and so some people can be intimidated by um, by some of the price points oh, yeah. of the introductory stuff for this. I mean, you, you look at these books, these player guides, and they're $50, 60 $70 for these books that you don't even really know what it means. And it, there's at least 75% of this room that has dropped that money, or we dropped that money. We paid for every bit of the things we have.
1: I have always paid for my resources.
0: We have always paid for our resources.
3: You can go ahead and say 100% of the room.
0: Yeah, okay, well, yeah, because you you just bought the, yeah. Yeah. What was it you bought?
3: Hart's guide to the Eldritch. yeah it's which we're really not excited released to get into. Yet, but he just released uh beta 0.92 of the book
1: but there are many online resources and I'm not talking illegal there are many uh actual legal resources Virtual that legal you files. can you can look up online well you I'm just talking about looking up like, yeah. like the Pathfinder guides things oh. like that that there there are a lot of wikis and things like that that you can look a lot of this stuff up online
0: oh yeah which
1: yeah. I have done a lot of
0: What's the, uh, what's the big Pathfinder one? Um, oh, Aldrichs, yeah, some with an A. Um, this These are things I need to have wrote down prior to. <laughs> yeah. What's the, the I keep wanting to I say pra- Alakazam, but that was for EverQuest. No,
2: the, the, the primary one I usually use is, uh, for Pathfinder especially, is PFS PFSRD, 20. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. That's the one I always And then there's the Archives of Nethas as well. Archives of Nethas. That's yeah. what I'm that's the one with the A. Though. They usually so. share a lot of the same yeah. information.
1: Yeah. Oh, D yeah. D twenty pfsrd Oh yeah, yeah.
0: backwards. Yeah. That's
1: the Pathfinder
0: Society stuff, right? Yeah. That's yeah. their kind of organized play things. And and, yeah. and so when we talk about like Pathfinder Society and, and organized play, what what do we mean by that? Like, what well they're Anybody well, participated in those? Yes,
2: yes. I, I ran a few and played in a lot, um, especially places. at the big conventions. Those mm-hmm. are amazing. Um, but you get together with your starting off characters. Um, there's a minimalistic, what I compared to the actual game, that you have to focus your characters into because they want set rules. They don't want to. You to go off and get all this random stuff from a lot of these overpowering books sometimes. Mm-hmm. Okay, so they focus on a specific little groups. So that way all the characters are very balanced. Okay. And it helps the game play out. Yeah. And you have, as a game master or dungeon master, you have to follow a specific adventure path. You really mm-hmm. can't break off into that. Because if you run a society event, he has to strictly right. stay with that.
0: They do tournament plans. Oh yeah, like that. yeah. Dungeons yeah. and yeah. Dragons, like Wizards of the Coast, the tournament play. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Call of Cthulhu does, which I've I've participated. In. Now that that's where I've participated. In. You know, I deal with, uh, Cold Chaos and Cult to Cthulhu,
1: that stuff. That, it's, yeah, I think uh, Pathfinder has Pathfinder Society, and Dungeons and Dragons has the Adventuring D&D. Gear, yeah. uh, Adventuring Guild. I think is theirs. Yeah, the Dungeons and Dragons Adventuring Guild, adventuring guild. I'm having trouble with
0: yeah. it, but. You got the uh, Cult of Chaosium, Cult of Cthulhu um, yeah.
2: stuff for, there, for Chaosium. even one for the old 80s Star Wars game called Sparks. Yeah. Which I tried to get into, and they are super strict yeah. about letting anybody into that that wants to run games. They're having people come from across the country to watch you and teach you how to play. Oh, I
0: remember you telling me about this Yeah. Yeah,
2: yeah, they're really serious about it. But their game, unlike a lot of the other games that are focused on that one session and you're done, Mm -hmm. Sparks affects everyone. If something happens in that game, it will affect everyone else because you have to tell whoever's in charge, yeah. what's going on, and they update the universe. Yeah, yeah, okay. I remember That's actually t- interesting. Yeah, That's amazing. Yeah, it it's really, sounds awesome.
1: It's a really cool concept, but they're very strict with it. It's almost like... I well, mean, I mean they don't have to be. Yeah, yeah. I mean, math. I get it. You can't just have somebody, random people running around doing the dumbest it, things. It's almost like
0: a tabletop but... MMO in that yeah, sense. Definitely. So, yeah, definitely. Right, like, like a tabletop. MMO means Massively Multiplayer Online Role Playing Game. Which I didn't say last time. We just used a bunch of acronyms and same thing. And we're trying to teach. We're trying to teach the children things. I'm not a good teacher. Huh? Well, that's we're gonna get there. We're yeah. working there, and we know we're gonna get you. This episode, we're working on getting you turning around in that chair.
3: Honestly, remember this episode? You're teaching me anyway, because I yeah. mean I'm a baby in uh, any kind of D and D style game. So ask questions. Tabletop RPG
1: this. You're not learning very well. Okay, so let's do <laughs> <laughs> I don't even
0: know what 2D uh, ju- Googly's is. d Googly's. <laughs> you know what 2D Googly's is? So what I was getting at, and we went yep. on a nice little tangent, and we'll get more into that in the second part of that episode, but what I was getting at with the price points for books is some people may want to participate but not want to drop that money. Oh, yeah. It are the books integral do you what do you need if you're going to play role-playing other than getting your friends together
2: what do you what would you guys suggest that someone needs when from my experience and you can do this very minimalistic a player's guide usually has all the characters and equipment things like that in it that's usually a primary mm-hmm. book and then honestly if if you don't want to research online and you want to have it in hand like a, some type of monster or creature manual other than that, you're pretty much ready to go right off the bat. And that's
0: if you're trying to be system specific. Yes. Right.
1: Okay. Any other anybody add anything to that? In past experience, as long as one person has these things, you're usually good. Usually yeah. the game master. Nine out of ten times game master. <laughs> yeah. He's
3: always fitting the bill. I have played like two games. One of them was called of Cthulhu with Josh. Yeah. I brought nothing. Yep. Yeah, I have
0: an entire shelf of gold. I mean, we can we can pull whatever you want. I got yeah. Invictus, I got space, I got future, I got Jazz Age out the Wazoo. I got gaslight, whatever you need. I got so, you. like if you just want to show up and
3: play a game, yeah, yeah pretty well what yeah. you need is like a pencil, paper. paper, and dice. Yeah. yeah. That's
0: so it. That's what I was gonna get at is it because I've even run, you know, tabletop RPG sessions for people where I have just come up with a system. Okay, here's what we're going to do. These guys want to, for specifics, it was a um, a friend of mine and her friends wanted to to play a game one night. I asked them what setting they wanted. They're like, we want to do like fantasy cyberpunk combined. So they wanted to do almost like a White Wolf RPG mixed with cyberpunk 2020 in like a grimdark Ravenloft style setting. Almost sounds like Shadowrun. Yeah. Yeah. I actually kind of want to play
3: Shadowrun, but man, I don't know anybody that actually wants to
0: run Shadowrun. I am not familiar with Shadowrun. That's not one of my. I've never ran Shadowrun. I've played games. But so what I did for them is I kind of. I just sat down and said, okay, we're going to create a little world. I'm going to use a real simple D6 system. And what we say, we're going to use. We're going to say D6 stuff a lot. Or, or d20s or d4s and what that means is those are the different types of polyhedral dice so that, that that's what you need you need a pencil bring a pencil just be nice bring a pencil and bring some dice And that's all you need to play you need a one of those
1: a set of polyhedral dice yeah. and usually that's d6 d20 is the dice and the sides of the dice
0: yeah and your, your normal your regular sided die. Your, your if you go out if you go out to your local game store and say hey, I need some dice. I gotta kill some monsters. You're gonna get a pack of seven dice. It's gonna have a D four, which is a little pyramid thing. It's gonna have a D six, which is your standard. If you've played Monopoly, you've rolled a D six. Um, it's gonna have a D eight. It's gonna have a D twelve, and it's gonna have a D twenty, and it's gonna have two. D tens, one of which is gonna be numbered from ten to ninety, and another of which is gonna be numbered one to zero.
1: Double zero to Yeah. Yeah. And that's that's usually the percentile dice. Yeah. You'll know, have a D ten and a percentile dice, which we'll get into all that.
0: But that's really all I need and so what I did is I sat down and I said, Okay, this is what these guys wanna do. I'm gonna draw on a little and, and you, you you may need to be a little versed in this stuff, but man, if you have a mat- imagination, you can play paper and dice. Oh, easy. Like if, if you can just think of it and say okay I and then just assign some numbers to it and then go play and it'll either work or it won't and then you'll, you'll have, have something to come way. back to
3: you'll have fun either way
0: yeah oh yeah it, it, you, paper and dust is really like I've found you get out of it what you put it into like if you have somebody who is just who sits down at the table and I'm sure we've all dealt with this and again we'll dive more into this in a second but we've all dealt with the um, person who's just adamant to not have a good time oh yeah They're just very adamant to not participate in the story. Yep. You know, and so that and and that's going to happen sometimes if you're running a game. And and that's from a game master point of view. You're going to have some people who just, they're going to have their phones out the entire time. And it's going to, you know, you're going to try to get them engaged and speak to them. And and it's just going to be like pulling teeth. And then you're going to have people who are so into it and so it's going to make you want to run 40 million games with them because, oh my God, these were the players I wanted. Right, and they they interacted with your world. They bought in. They were just ready to go with this stuff you created.
3: William Baxter and uh, Mister Savage there at Cthulhu.
0: <laughs> yeah. Oh, oh,
3: Gosh.
0: Uh, Aaron's, Aaron's Savage uh, Rage private Savage investigator Rage. Savage Rage, who I am very intent on killing. Hasn't died yet. He has not. He has not. We're. I got on here. We're going to talk a, about. Race to Witch super,
2: Mountain. That's super impressive for a Cthulhu guy. I know, right? Dude, Dude, he, he
0: won't them. die. He's like a tick. <laughs> <laughs> you know, he Race won't. to Witch
3: Mountain with my newly created uh, private investigator character. And he kept gracing to places and like, I got the information. I'm not going to let him have it and just take off with it. And I was like, well, you know what? I'm just going to follow him. <laughs>
0: well, that was Aaron's whole thing and, and I loved it. I absolutely like from a from a keeper perspective. That's what the, the Dungeon Masters called in, uh, in Call of Cthulhu. And Call of Cthulhu is um, kind of like playing in your own B-horror movie. You know, These and, and a good way to think about tabletop role-playing games is it's a board game without the board. You know, your words are creating the board. You're saying what you want to do, and then you'll roll. the DM will tell you, well, roll a dice, roll these dice, and if you roll at or above or below a certain number, you either succeed or you pass. Everything kind of has dice points or uh, values set to it.
1: Except for sometimes that you play miniatures where you have a board. Yeah, sometimes you can play miniatures. We're in <laughs> the, theater, the <laughs> minor
0: miniatures. It's a, without a strict rules. Yeah. type deal. Um, even though there are strict rules, Advanced Dungeons and Dragons. Thank you, Gary Gygax. <laughs> okay, so we're but we're yeah. gonna skip yeah. over the story. Stat, Savage Rage. Stay tuned. He's coming up. I mean, I have a lot to say about Savage Rage. So, I want to talk a little bit about the history of tabletop role-playing games. Have any of you heard the story of the rise and fall of TSR? Oh, no. yeah. Nope. Okay. Pat, do you, you want to go? Right. This go is ahead. like super fresh on my mind. <laughs> go go <laughs> right here. It seems like yeah. you're pretty excited about it. I am. I am very excited. So, so tabletop role-playing games started... There are, there are men in our nerd culture, in, in the, the stuff that we follow and the shit that we're into. There are people who are... Like our folk heroes, would you guys agree?
2: Yeah,
0: sure. <clears throat> you know, like the likes of Stan Lee, you know, Steve Ditko, H.P. Lovecraft, um Miyamoto, <clears> one <throat> for games, yeah, uh, Akira Toriyama, Satoshi Tajiri, um, that, whatever the dude's name that created Mario, Miyamoto. <clears throat> oh, that's who. Okay, yeah. that one. Yeah. That one Cody just said. <laughs> um, and and, and we sit here and go on and on. And there, there's a geez. ton of them. There's <laughs> Stanley Kubrick. Stephen King, all these people, and one of them is Gary Gygax. Gary Gygax is the godfather, the creator, the lord and legend of tabletop roleplay. We would not be talking about this stuff if it hadn't been for Gary Gygax. Um, Gary Gygax was an avid, like, war gamer. Yeah. You know, so they they'd play like, like Warhammer. That stuff, or at that time, it wasn't even war. No, I mean, it, was it was like neither. recreation, re- recreating like historical, historical battles. Yeah, it was mostly yeah.
2: <clears throat> military battles.
0: Yeah. yeah, yeah, like historical military battles and stuff. And so they had their club that would meet, and um and they would get together. And he had a buddy, Dave Artisan, mm-hmm. and they they started like Gary came up with this kind of like rules system for. So they started playing. They're like maybe I. They had these big battalions, right? So if, if anybody's familiar with war gaming, if you ever watch somebody play Warhammer and they whip out the rulers and all this, and they're measuring stuff by inches and they're rolling, you know, a backpack full of D sixes on the table. And there's just a lot going on because everybody's got 14 million dudes on the table and there's terrain. It's, it's a lot to watch. And so they got kind of th- this in their heads that they were going to start narrowing that down. It was well, I just want to fight with one battalion or I just want to fight with one guy. You know, I'm just going to take my, my knight. I just want to be a knight. I don't want to be, you know, 40 dudes on a battlefield or 4,000 guys on a battlefield. I'm to be one guy. Okay. Well, they had referees
2: at these things.
0: And Pat, anything I'm getting wrong, tell me.
2: You're on the passive.
0: So, so they had referees at these things that would kind of, they, they go to rules check, you know, Hey, uh, He's trying to shoot me with this battalion from six inches away, but it says 5.5, and I'm under this much cover because this rock's kind of half here, and these referees would weigh in on that. Well, what they decided to do was essentially get together, and this was Arneson kind of took Gary's rule set and created this system where it was him as a referee running a group of players through a dungeon. He kind of created the the dungeon idea. yeah, And so that was the birth of Dungeons & Dragons. And they, they got together, they, they kept talking, they kept playing this here, this thing, and then at some point they decided, you know, something they thought they were going to make, like, hundreds of dollars with ended up becoming a multi-million dollar company fairly quickly.
2: Oh, within right? a short few years. Yeah.
0: And then, <laughs> then these guys who were... Really good at and, and you know, Gygax had quit his job. He was unemployed at the time. Like there's this again, there's this folk hero stuff, cause I you need to read uh Game Wizards. I think you'd really love it. So again, there's this folk hero idea surrounding Gygax, right? Where he was this guy that quit his job to to pursue this wonderful uh pastime that was gonna bring all this happiness into people's lives. Well, no, whether he quit or whether he was fired for negligence for not for spending too much time creating games like that's kind of up in the air um he was he was working i think is like a in the in the financial uh sector yeah something like that like an accounting for like some kind of low level accounting stuff um <clears throat> explains all the math and that's his right. oh my god
2: wait till we talk about ad and d dear lord um well, there was quite a bit of math in the original chainmail game that led to the D&D and stuff. Yeah. I mean you're
0: talking about wargaming, right? Yeah. So what was the the original game? They were- chainmail. That was the first oh, one yeah.
2: that him uh, he, he and his friend had made and that was basically the small little skirmish battles just mm-hmm. a, a, like a little group of adventurers or monsters fighting each other. That I think that was 1971 that they made that and then that developed into Dungeons and Dragons originally I think in
0: 1974 yeah so they um, so Gygax created this company and there was another guy with them who passed away and he was and I can't remember his name oh. you know what I'm talking about was it
2: wasn't Atkinson no.
0: um, <clears throat> but anyway there was a third member of their their startup for this company Jeff
2: Parham, I think that was the his original buddy in Chainmail.
0: Don yeah. Kay. Don, Don Kay. Oh, yeah, yeah Don, yeah, Don, K. K. Don K., yeah. Yeah, so Don K, so Tactical Studies Rules is the name of the company. Yes. Yeah, um, we'll refer to it as TSR because I'm not saying Tactical Studies <laughs> Rules over and over again. Um, so Tactical Studies Rules was the name of the company. And we, and we tell the story of Dungeons & Dragons because, again, Dungeons & Dragons is the OG. Like, this is the one that created everything. This is, like... Monty Cook, who founded Numenera, the Cypher system, did original Call of Cthulhu. Like, he came from TSR. Um, Sandy Peterson came from TSR. All these big dudes in the the role-playing genre. The White Wolf Games, Paizo, all this kind of spawned off of pieces of TSR.
1: I mean, Dungeons & Dragons is the reason we have RPGs (coughs) and games. Yeah. Yeah, That's what Final
3: fantasy was entirely based off of. Yeah, that's what they're all
0: based off of. There's a little bit of, like, Pushback from the Tolkien estate when he was when Gygax was initially doing his their first publications, but I think it kind of fizzled out. But anyway, Don Kay and Gary Gygax founded TSR. Don Kay died, and so Gygax was then forced to kind of take the helm. And Gygax was a horrible business dude. Well, he
2: he he was he was great with games and making games and playing games, but as far as business goes, yeah, yeah, he wasn't the best.
0: And so they, essentially, TSR kind of built up to this, um, I think it was they were making $30 million, $30 million a year was what it was what it cost to run them, was what they needed. It was like $30 million at its height. Yeah. Was what it cost to run them. And they were hiring, they were expecting more growth, and so they were hiring more people than they were able to sustain expecting that growth. And when that growth didn't happen... It started, you know, having ripple effects. Like there were people that were on um, they were producing, you know, that the first edition of Dungeons and Dragons, a basic DND. And then they released A D, which is advanced Dungeons and Dragons, and that was for the people that want rules for everything. If anybody's ever picked up a, a a rule book for a paper and dice game and flipped through and went like, Holy crap, they have movement speed and there's advantage and there's all this advanced Dungeons and Dragons. Gygax wanted rule wanted a rule system for which hand you were holding your shield in, gave you advantage, depending on what, your hand, what how big the shield was and what whether you were right or left-handed and where the attacker's weapon was coming from. And all of those had different bonuses and numbers that were added in. The
2: speed of the weapon. Yeah. I mean, there, yeah,
0: there was yeah, a lot. It's it crazy.
1: Was, it's almost like it's the advanced version of Dungeons & Dragons. Well, it's advanced
0: like Dungeons & Dragons, Dragons, though. Yeah. <laughs> Like, that is where, like, AD&D is where 3.5 and the other stuff came. Mm -hmm. You know, like, we weren't built off basic Dungeons & Dragons. We were built off, like, what we're playing is built off of AD&D, but Gygax wanted to go even deeper. (laughs) So eventually, Gygax gets voted out of the board by his own members, and this lady, um, Lorraine Williams, takes over. And (laughs) that leads to Dungeons & Dragons 2nd Edition, which is, I mean, if you guys have ever seen any of that art for the second edition D&D books. They're amazing. Oh, it's well, yeah. They had the big like hardbound kind of gold embossed stuff yeah. and they were producing these things. But they had a deal with um, Random House and, th- and this was the big thing that kind of kind of brought them finally down and led to Wizards of the Coast. Who Everybody knows Wizards of the Coast. They sell Magic the Gathering in Pokemon. That's Wizards of the Coast. Um, to Wizards of the Coast acquisition was they... Um, I think they they had a, they're owned by Hasbro now. Yeah, yeah and Hasbro bought them recently. Yeah. So it's just, it's a nesting doll <laughs> of quote-unquote evil corporations. So they had a, the TSR had a deal with Random House to publish and sell their books. But the deal was that TSR would make the stuff and then Random House would just pay them so normally in publishing right like like if like if i'm gonna sell aaron's book aaron's gonna make it he's gonna give me the book i'm gonna send it to my distributors i'm gonna tell any copies in here or whatever i'm they're gonna sell it and then i'm gonna give aaron money tsr's deal was no we're just gonna give you the book and then you give us money mm-hmm. and then they send it to the cop to the stuff and if there were certain amount over whatever percentage did sell tsr was liable for however much because essentially what was going on is Random House would just buy whatever they printed. So TSR could literally print money. TSR would just print and print and print and they would they were um, like breaking things up so they were essentially they were trying to sell things that they hadn't created yet. yeah so they'd come out and say, we're gonna release a new novel and uh, a new guide for monks and this, and this and this and this this year. Well now they have to print that. And so they started printing more and more things. And then they had to print more so that they could get the money to print those other things. (laughs) And eventually sales started dropping because they were severing the Dungeons and Dragons world. Like Dungeons and Dragons was one central world. And then they released, um, what are the different types? They released, uh, Forgotten Realms was the initial. Greyhawk
2: was the original. Yeah. And then they did Forgotten Realms, um, Ravenloft Dragon Lo- Dragonlance Ravenloft uh, Dark Sun Dark Sun you know. Yeah Dragonlance Ravenloft Dark
0: Sun there's a planescape
2: planescape and there's the spelljammer universe spelljammer which yeah. combines all of the other universes so you can go to all of them and so what they were expecting was hey we're going to release this stuff
0: and we're going to get all kinds of new people because we're attracting all kinds of n- new ideas and people that have new interests To our, to our product. Well, what ended up happening was they just hacked their purchasers in half. It was the, the people that were buying were the people that were buying already, but some people were buying Spelljammers. Some people were buying Ravenloft. People weren't buying everything. They were just buying individuals. So then Random House comes knocking for all this money that they've paid for all these books that aren't selling and bada bing, bada boom, they're in trouble. Wizards of the Coast comes in and buys it. So that's kind of a history of that. And then you have all these people that that branched off from that uh, to create some games that we're going to talk about here shortly. So that's a history of, of Dungeons & Dragons, which was the OG. So Aaron. <laughs> actually, you know what? Pat's, Pat's our guest. Pat, yeah. how did you get started with tabletop RPGs?
2: Well, I was eight or nine years old. And my uncle at the time had been giving me comic books since I was probably around five. Mostly like Richie Rich and, you know, some more kiddie cartoonish uh, comic books. But then he eventually started giving me, well, which my first book was Green Lantern as far as big superheroes go. And that's always been my favorite. Um, And then he would give me more of the Marvel books and a few of the oddball independent books uh, in the early 80s. And I saw adverts in these books for Dungeons and Dragons. You know, you see four or five people sitting around a table in this dark room (laughs) with all these metal miniatures on the table, and above them were like dragons and heroes, barbarians fighting each other and things like that. And eventually I asked him what that was about, and uh, he showed me his uh, first red box. Dungeons & Dragons mm-hmm. uh, basic set that came out 84, I think. and So it was probably around that time when he first got it, when it was first released, that I was introduced to it. Mm-hmm. And he uh, showed me how to play, and he let me play a few games with like my cousins that would come for family events and things. And eventually he let me in with his little group of players, and he handed me down that box set and gave me... Uh, my set of dice which is the dice I usually use all the time right now <laughs> and I got my cousins with these families events to play and everything and I would go ahead and make the characters ahead of time and we just lay them down and start playing you know so yeah that was it and it's I've not looked back since
1: and Pat has never financially recovered <laughs> since No,
2: <laughs> no. I've never been able to afford drugs <laughs> yeah. I always heard they were great <laughs> The thing is, I could probably turn over a lot of that money because I have everything that I've ever bought except for a few things that have either gotten lost, stolen, or damaged. Mm-hmm. And some of those are super expensive, but because of my crazy cat-headed brain that uh, I just hold on to them because i like, ah, maybe I'll go back and revisit that and run that in a game, you know, that kind of mm-hmm. stuff. And it, it, It's more nostalgic to me to hold, hold on to it, all the memories for it all.
1: How about you, Aaron? How would you get started? Um, I got started in college, actually. Uh, my first game session was uh, Dungeons and Dragons 3rd Edition. The 4th Edition was already out, but I was told that was a uh, taboo, and we don't play that. <laughs> so 4th Edition
0: played like an MMO.
1: Yeah, I, I didn't know at the time. It was just some friends were like, hey, we're going to play Dungeons & Dragons, because uh, I was raised in a very... Um, <laughs> Christian family. Mom didn't like the idea of us going out and worshiping the devil with Dungeons and Dragons. <laughs> so we didn't do a lot of that, but uh, in college I had some friends who invited me over and I played. And we played uh, I think two or three sessions and I had a lot of fun. I played a human fighter. Immediately started murdering people. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so we played and then we
0: just went wow. After the game went up to the convenience store and started robbing everybody. <laughs> yeah.
1: Remember Elizabeth's smart? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, after that, um, once I started that page three with uh, Pat, then uh, that's we started doing a Pathfinder campaign. That was like 2015, I think. Maybe. It seems so like it was longer ago than longer that. Longer than that, maybe. Maybe somewhere around there. I started working there in 2015. Yeah.
2: Well, so. I didn't know if you played while you were working there before, you know, or came in as a friend. No, or I, it was. So you had to start working there before that, 2013 or something.
1: It may be. I can't even keep up anymore. But we've been—I've yeah. been playing with Pat. We've been playing multiple games ever since then. We've had multiple people join, a lot of people leave, and I think I'm the only original person left. Anymore. Yeah, out of that bunch. You guys brought me in last year. Yeah, I've
0: very much enjoyed
1: playing. I don't even work at the
0: store anymore, and I still come down to play. Yeah, Cody, what's your? How did you get started? Huh? As if none of us know. Answer that question for the people at home or in their cars or naked in the shower.
3: Or they're in their shower. It's fine. Yeah. Or they're pooping. I don't know. <laughs> but I have only played like two games. Uh, once was with Caleb at page three whenever we started a. Uh, he just ran like a small uh, Call of Cthulhu campaign. And, well, campaign, it was a game, I guess. It was just yeah. like a one off.
0: Campaigns, for those of you at home, take place over multiple sessions. A one-shot is designed to be played in one single sit-down session, usually two to four hours. However, your players will make that not happen, and you'll be there for F
1: and F. I like that you come in like a PSA. It's like it pauses the video, and you're like, for those who don't know. I'm popping
0: videos me. with the bubbles.
3: <laughs> it reminds me of Freakazoid whenever he's talking to somebody, and like, the cop just says something off the wall. It's like, not important. But interesting. <laughs> yeah.
0: Anyway, so that's anyway. That's me. Not important, but interesting.
3: Yeah, anyway. So, you know, we've done that one. And then I have played one game of Call of Cthulhu over at Josh's. And I think that was supposed to be a one off that took like four hours to play. Yep. But, but I did recently back on Kickstarter that Steinhardt's Guide to the Eldritch.
0: What, what system is that, that
3: It's supposed to be on uh, 5E. 5 right. yeah. Yeah.
0: 5-E is Dungeons & Dragons 5th Edition, which released some time ago. I don't remember when. Important. Not too long ago, but 5th Edition Dungeons & Dragons.
3: Yeah, anyway, so it's come out and it's more of a uh, Bloodborne-style game. So you're dealing with the cosmic horror stuff, but you're playing as characters who can actually kind of kill some of them. Not necessarily the actual Eldritch gods that come down, but a lot of the monsters they create.
0: Well that's something we can talk about now is kind of that differentiation between systems. You know, so we talk we we we've all said we've said Dungeons and Dragons, we've said Pathfinder, we've said Call of Cthulhu, we've we've said Numenera. What the hell are these? What how they how do they differ from each other? So Pat how, you wanna talk about how Dungeons and Dragons can differ from Pathfinder or what sure systems are where they came from
2: well um, originally you had the basic and the advanced and, of Dungeons and Dragons and that evolved into third edition which out of all the systems is still one of my favorite systems of Dungeons mm-hmm. and Dragons oh, yeah. that was and, when I got into it I yeah. had all the hardcover books and, and they updated it to 3.5 mm-hmm. and then they decided eventually to like you know, we're tired of this. It's time for a new edition. Let's go 4th edition. Change a little thing. and uh, We did 4th edition to, like, compete with World of Warcraft. And, yes, you know, they, but, but, that, but, because everything, to me, everybody was a cookie-cutter character, mm-hmm. just with different names for their abilities. Yeah. And a lot of people didn't like that. Um, so the people over at Paizo... They were like, you know, let's keep 3.5 what we like and update it with our own extra rules and we can uh, create our own system with it. So they produced Pathfinder and that uh, hit off really well with uh, some of the negative impact of 4th edition. Now I've played 4th edition, it's an okay system, it's fun, Um, but uh, there there was a lot of setbacks with it. from everything that I've experienced. But um, every all of those still use kind of the same si- system as far as attacks and damage and dice and everything. Monsters are very similar. Um, it strays off into these other games like, um, well, for example, one of the other games that I enjoy very much is uh, the older West game Star Wars system, and it's all D6s. The yeah. entire system is just D6s. And it's uh it's pr- it's a lot of fun. Um then you have uh I always
0: like the the simplicity of like the D six systems yeah. like that that one we played and what and what system did you so the, the Dresden file setting, which I, I call it Dresden but it probably wasn't Dresden, but that was right. kind of based on, but what um what was that
2: uh, system we were using? The West End Games D six system. Okay. Originally. And, really liked yeah. that. And uh, we were using the... was uh, the Star Wars. The, yeah, but it, they, they also made modern adventure fantasy and space versions of these. Oh, really? Yeah, oh, just okay. gen, like generic setting ones. And we were kind of using the modern one for that. Kind of like GURPS. Yeah, yep. well, that's what I was Gener- going to bring up. Yep. Good old generic universal role-playing system. Yep. So that,
0: that's another thing. And, Cody, if you didn't know... Do not <laughs> tell you there are role playing <laughs> systems that are designed to be theme agnostic, yeah. that are just built as you can put whatever you want onto this, layer this if you want to have your characters here's like a like a stick figure <laughs> and you can put them like man like dress up mannequins to build your own systems. So GURPS is one of those. Um, I just saw the Cipher system. Cipher said, system is Monica,
2: really good, which is what the uh, Numenera. Numenera system is now based yes. on. Oh, okay,
1: the GURPS is the only one I'm familiar with. So the and, Cypher... And sort of, yeah, yeah. The,
2: the GURPS and the D6 system are the only two yeah. that I know. Uh, I don't want to interject, but you have played our superhero <laughs> system that I is have. just all you I use. I don't want to interject. Yeah. Shut up. you play all, all, all you use are two D10s.
0: Use the percent yeah. of us. You, you're being a little too... Now, we can be mean to each other on this. We're just trying not...
1: He's I'm gonna just trying not to drop an F-bomb every other word. It's <laughs> going punch you in the face. Yeah. Yeah. A, what did you, you want him to say? I know you're stupid, Aaron, but, uh, I didn't know that was a generic system that we use, but I mean, yeah. you know, we have used a percentile, which, uh, yeah, that's uh, your yeah. dragon. Uses a percentile. Yeah. Call of Cthulhu. Or Call of Cthulhu. Call it. I'm sorry. Yeah. Percentile based.
0: So yeah, so Pathfinder is essentially like born out of 3.5. And there's some like yeah. marketing stuff there where Paizo was publishing for them. And so they said, screw oh, you. Yeah. We're just going to separate yeah, all their because Paizo publishes
2: Pathfinder. They had their own little world, um, and uh, some MGL of the some of the original artists for three point five was doing art for them, mm-hmm. uh, especially uh, Wayne Reynolds, one of my favorite artists for role playing games right now. And when Dungeons and Dragons with the fourth edition, instead of s- stopping making everything and start making stuff for fourth edition, they're like, "We're sticking with three point five. Let's add on to it, make mm-hmm. it even better." And Pathfinder was born.
0: So talking about systems like Dungeons and Dragons and Pathfinder, which I find are very much empowerment fantasies. Yeah. You know, I want to sit down. I'm going to be the big barbarian with the. Speaking of, my current character is a Minotaur barbarian. I love him very much. You know, I'm going to be the big barbarian with the flail. I'm going to go in and just cleave down these creatures. You look at a game like Call of Cthulhu, which is my favorite game. And that is a disempowerment fantasy where you are. If anybody's familiar with you know the works of Lovecraft or August Derleth or Robert Block, any of these people, you're you're in this this world of mythos where you if you've ever watched a horror movie, and you've seen the person you know staggering up the stairs away from the creature or hearing a knock at the door, and you're like, no, don't go in there, don't do that. You get to be that dumb bitch trying to make that decision. <laughs> That's what. That's how I sell this to people, and they eat it up. Like if you ever scream to the TV, "Don't go in there, you f an idiot!" You're now the f an idiot, and you get to decide whether you're going to answer that knock at the door. You're going because you are playing. You know you're not playing paladins and clerics and warriors. You're playing journalists and professors and dilettantes and these normal people in abnormal situations, and that's what I love about that stuff.
3: Oh, psychological effect on
0: it. Like, oh yeah, so. yeah. There's the um, th- and that ties into like so role playing. So we talk about role playing. So that that's a big part of tabletop role playing is the role playing aspect
3: of it. Actually playing your character. Yeah,
0: because you are you know, and, and you can take that as far as you want. Aaron, do you want to you want to talk on the role play? Like what what appeals about role playing to you, or and more, what role playing means? Mister
3: Savage, there. <laughs>
0: Mr. Rage. First first name
1: Savage, last name Rage. Rage. Um, I'm going to kill that character, dear God. You can try. I'm going to. And you probably will, but you can try. I have so many ideas. If we ever play again, don't worry, William Baxter will just shoot him in the face. (laughs) We're going to talk about that too. Um, So the the role-playing, I love the role-playing aspect. Playing a character um, out of your element. I mean, like... I can never be Savage Rage. I can never be this cool guy, taller than me, uh, wears his leather jacket, um, pretends to be a PI that doesn't carry a gun, and uh, has no investigation skills, but still tries. It's just super. Absolutely uh, objective. <laughs> um, and I can never be the gun-slinging goblin that we're playing right now on the Pathfinder campaign. Yeah. And it's just fun to role-play these, and it's always a taboo about meta gaming. Which one, one is the it it game. So metagaming is your character has a knowledge, and clearly, so if something has happened, we've separated, our characters have separated, and your character learned something, Josh, your yeah. character learned something, my character didn't hear that. Meta knowledge is, is pretending like my character knew that when he didn't. So you have to play your character as they are in the game, not the person that you are. Yeah. Which again comes to the rage
3: because that was you going around and getting all the evidence and running away with it. And me, it was like, well, I mean, my character wasn't there for it. So now I'm having to chase down Mr. Rage all over the place
1: <laughs> trying to get to kind of figure out where I'm supposed to go. I love that Savage Rage has become the example for everything.
0: He has become the example for a disruptive character. <laughs> <in> a <game. laughs>
1: it was great though. Listen, Savage Rage was originally created to be the a background character it was i'd already played that campaign twice before <laughs> and i didn't want to be the main character of that campaign so i really? just i just did things and savage rage was just like a pi who didn't know how to do pi stuff he like you know didn't know how to do any of this thing so the the scenario in question
0: that savage rage was created for is uh, it's called the haunting, and it's just quintessential like starter Call of Cthulhu uh, scenario to run yeah. for people who are new to the game. And I've ran it about seven thousand times, and Aaron has played it with me yeah. at least a thousand of those times. Um, and so I was my my now wife and um, another one of our friends. Yeah, we were gonna we were running Cthulhu you know Call of Cthulhu. My wife had never played, and so I was introducing her to to Call of Cthulhu. Um, And so Aaron created this character he named Savage Rage just to be a a throw off kind of funny with no useful skills so that my wife could then kind of take the lead in the campaign and do all the fun stuff, all the fun roles and the investigating
1: stuff. Yeah. Like they they sent me to do to investigate one section where I had to go to a newspaper, um, had to go find newspaper articles in a, like a, the news place place. And, uh, I went through articles. I found one article, and I was like, "That's all I need," and I left.
0: I gave him four million hints that there were more stuff in
1: there that he needed
0: to look for. Savage didn't need one. anything else. I'm, I'm gonna set. I'm gonna set this up, Aaron, and I want you to tell the story. So, in Call of Cthulhu, all of your skills are percentile based. You roll your two um, different d10 dice. You roll your your one that's basically one to ten, and then your other one that's essentially 10 to 100, and you roll those together, you add the values, and you get a number between 1 and 100. Um, And that's a percentile base, so so in Call of Cthulhu you have skills. And say I have a 50 in lock picking, that means I have a 50% chance to pick a lock I try to pick. I'll roll my D100 if I get at or below 50, I've succeeded, I did that thing. Um, if they're if characters are trying to do like acts of skill or acrobatics or strength, they roll their <laughs> character values. They have strength, dexterity, constitution, stuff like that. Those and those things, you know, for character creation. So, Aaron, why don't you just tell so that, we I mean, have, this the quintessential yeah. Savage Rage
1: store? We got the three numbers. Uh and it they oh, sorry, you, yeah. Me,
0: yeah, so in Call of Cthulhu, there are different levels of success. You have your normal success, which is your higher number. So say say I have a 50 in my lock, let's go back to my lock picking skill. So I have a 50 in lock picking. If I roll at or below a 50, that's a normal success. If I roll at a 25 or below, that's a hard success. So maybe I picked, an, uh, maybe there are some locks that require a hard success, it's a harder lock. If I roll at a five or lower, that's a fifth of whatever my value is. I get an extreme success and that pretty much I succeeded no matter what. Like the DM just needs to come up with a reason why I succeeded. Cause that's, yeah. that is, you know, a uh, 10% chance there to, to get that done. So
1: I that, had to get downstairs. All right. There was,
0: <laughs> so you, you said it because I want to hear you explain it.
1: Okay. So, well we had, I remember, um, I know everybody's heard this story a million times, but it just, your wife had went down the steps in the campaign.
0: No, there are no steps. well there 20, no steps? There are no steps. They it is a away. hole. Yes. It is a hole. It is a destroyed. chapel that you came across, and a hole, a sinkhole opened up. Yeah. And it is a 25-foot drop.
1: Well, I had to get down there somehow. How did you get down there, Aaron? How well, did Savage Rage descend? Clearly, the, the easiest way for Savage Rage to get down there was to leap down there. And it, hit an extreme success. What did you roll, Aaron? I don't remember the exact number. I remember number. exactly
0: what number you rolled. <laughs> it, it was an extreme one. success. He rolled a one. Oh, okay. You rolled a one. You said, I am jumping down.
1: <laughs> you and a, Superman, a superhero landed. <laughs> you did a front flip. You took somersault off and superhero landed. <laughs> I took damage. A little bit. Not a lot. Yeah. Well, Savage Rage is good. What he does. (laughs) What can I say? So,
0: what are um, what are some of your favorite systems you've played? What are some of your favorite uh, role playing games
2: you've played? Of course, Pathfinder. Um, That's one of my primary favorites right now. Um, Star Wars. Uh, Back in college, I ran Star Wars for almost four years straight, almost all of the original characters made it towards the end of the campaign. All right. And that was, a, that was a great one. Um, I enjoy the old, I always say nice, older systems, but I don't know. Mm. It's hard to beat the original ones. Um, the superhero TSR Marvel game, mm. which is a lot of fun. I think that one came out in 87. That was, that was a great one. Um, Cypher isn't too bad. I'm actually been, I've actually i actually been looking at that with all this uh, recent Wizards of the Coast stuff. Um, a couple of people put me onto that, and that's one of those kind of generic slate open world systems that you can just make whatever you want to out of it. And I've seen anywhere from sci-fi to fantasy to even a, a Call of Cthulhu campaign based on the Cypher system. But yeah, the Cthulhu. I've got a lot of the Cthulhu stuff too. That's that's a wonderful system, um, especially to run. Not so much always as a player character, but running it's a lot of fun. But yeah, um, right. That kind of narrows it down. I think there's a, there's so many systems out there, and I have just about tried you know everything or a smattering of them, anyways. And and, uh, there's a ton that I want to try. I've yeah, tried
0: nearly as many as I need to. So we are going to take a break. All right, so Aaron, what are um, what are some of your favorite systems?
1: Uh, my favorite systems in the past have been uh, Pathfinder that I've played. I've really enjoyed it. Uh, I've loved... Um, I haven't played a lot of third edition D&D, but I've played a lot of Pathfinder. I think You've it's played a one, lot of
0: third edition D&D. <laughs>
1: it's one that I've played the most of, Yeah. Uh, but I did really enjoy... Uh, it's a tough time because uh, we played the... The superhero, the Marvel superhero, and it was a blast to play. Um, it was a blast to make the character more than anything, but even just role playing the characters and stuff like that, because all of your powers and every background, everything was random, and that was, and then you you pieced you built your character based on all the stuff that you rolled. Um, mm-hmm. That was a blast, um, and I also enjoyed the Star Wars campaign. I loved playing the Star Wars, even though we were really <laughs> bad at it.
3: I think that counts as a memorable moment.
1: So. Hell. so it's Expand on that. Oh <laughs> gosh, we have played two. I I've played two Star uh, Star Wars campaigns with that. Which,
0: which Which Star Wars was, was D six? This so is D six. So not Edge of the Empire. Yeah. Edge of the
1: Empire is another Star Wars yeah, role yeah. playing. Not right? Edge of the Empire, and it has
0: storytelling dice, and that's a brand new mechanic.
2: Yeah. Nor is it the Wizards of the Coast D twenty system. Edge of the Empire is, so fan- is a- fantasy, fantasy flight yeah. Yeah, yeah, fantasy flight
0: Fantasy Flight no. some really good
1: role playing games. Anyway. No, the D6 system. Um, uh, played two different campaigns with the two. We've played with, uh, two groups, mm-hmm. two different groups of people, but uh, we're really bad at it. We've, uh, the first time, I believe, um, one of our players threw a thermal detonator outside of the ship. No. No? No. This, no, no. Was no, it this? Just a tank this,
2: grenade? this was like a tank grenade. Okay. Um, that you guys were wanting to make the ship look like it was damaged yeah. to get through, through the security, security. Of, yeah. of the system.
1: And his smart idea was, I'm going to toss out the the grenade to make it look like you know, like the ship was you know, like exploding. Because we were talking to him over comms, we we're like, we need help, we need to get on the planet, and they were like, oh, we don't know. So he was like, I'm going to toss this out. It'll explode and look like our ship's you know, really blowing up and uh then he (laughs) rolled his dice so as you know from this system every time you roll a six you get to roll another dice
2: on on, just on the wild
1: on the wild dice but he kept rolling sixes like crazy and he just did he did so much damage it obliterated our ship (laughs) absolutely obliterated and the only person that semi survived was my robot and that's because i had armor and as far as we know, I'm probably dead. I know for a fact I'm dead, but we left the campaign with I was floating off in space. <laughs> but everybody else was dead.
0: I really feel like we need to pick that. After this Pathfinder we're doing, pick
1: that back up. Aaron's robot has crash landed somewhere. <laughs> and he finds
0: whoever we're playing uh,
1: The second campaign, we got in a big uh, dogfight. Um, mm-hmm. And... For some reason, whoever was flying decided the best idea was to land the ship in the middle of this dogfight. So they landed the ship, and guess what happens when your ship stops? <laughs> it becomes a very easy target. So <laughs> <laughs> never this. So, so I was, never expect us to just stop. I was one of those in the gun in the gunning and I was shooting them still, and they're just going pew, 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 and we explode, and guess what? everyone dies. You ran this? Yeah. yeah. You
2: sadistic people. <laughs> I just give what they give me. You just let them do that? <laughs> they deserve it if they're going to do
1: that. But it, uh,
2: Pat giveth, Pat
1: taketh away. Pat taketh <laughs> away. It, it, they were fantastic, and I loved the campaigns. But as I said, clearly Star Wars we were not very good at. <laughs> That's funny.
0: Well, Cody, you you said you've ran a couple. So what? What what's a memorable? So we'll get into memorable moments because Cody, you've only ran like a, a handful of, of systems. So what? What are like? What's a memorable moment from you playing that you can like from the? We've ran. We've only ran the one. Right? You did the Madman. You didn't do um, the one I wrote. The so shall the trees grow. You didn't play that. No. 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 Okay, so you did the Madman, but you two did. I keep thinking. I keep thinking. Cody please. No. So what, So from the, the sessions you've ran from with, with me and then with uh, with Aaron and other situations yeah. here.
3: Was the most memorable one was our car race to yeah. the. Uh, it's not
0: script. It's not in the scenario, by the way. The the car race. You go ahead. You 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 describe. <laughs> I'm just I'm just going to set this up by saying the the scenario does not call for a car chase. <laughs> okay, it doesn't.
1: Well, it did now.
3: <laughs> you certainly made it. In like 1920s. <laughs> <laughs>
0: can we Can we just real quick, who else was in the scenario with you? Who were the players?
3: Uh, do you want the players or their character names? Both. Uh, well, it was...
1: The only important one was me as, as Savage Ray. <laughs> well, That's what I was kidding well, at. Was <laughs> there, but, uh, Pat's son Xander was actually yep.
3: played with. And I can't remember his character's name. I don't remember any of the other characters. He was a bodyguard. He was actually, you know, my partner for this. Aaron Aaron and my
1: wife were partners. Anyway, the only thing I remember was playing Savage Rage and screaming, William Baxter, the whole time.
3: (laughs) There was a, a rivalry from Rage. That William Baxter had no idea
0: about. <laughs> it was <my> favorite part. <laughs> <laughs> William Baxter was like, I don't even know who you are. The whole story was Aaron was role-playing his character who just had this hatred for Cody's characters. He was a rival private investigator. And William Baxter, Cody's character, had no idea who Savage Rage was. <laughs> and it was just, you guys did such a good
3: job. And he we, we were going to the same town, or the same building as a house for the, the guy that we were trying to find. And I think I was actually on my way there first after stealing information from uh, Savage there. <laughs> so he decides that they're going to race. Elizabeth and
0: Elizabeth is driving. Yeah, she I dropped driving. her into racing. <laughs> 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 I
3: mean, it, was, it was like eight like like model sure cars there. on this gravel yeah. road. <laughs> like, yeah, we were going a
1: whole like, 25 miles an hour. It just wide
3: enough for like a horse and bike. <laughs> And I have no idea how we didn't die.
1: But we rolled
0: great. Yeah, what did Elizabeth roll? When she had Savage Rage in the car to pass you? On a narrow road in a divot to avoid crashing the two cars together on her drive auto check, she rolled a one. She rolled a one. And in Call of Cthulhu, ones are the best. Can't get any better than one. No number lower than that. And you want to roll low. And so she... What did she do?
3: Know, they came into she, like this drift, like screeching halt,
0: like sliding up yeah. the driveway. Like we went top. on
1: two wheels at once. Yeah, time she, to pass, you guys, she Tokyo drifted the model <laughs> T-
0: <laughs> <into> their model <laughs> A into this gravel truck. <laughs>
3: And oh my he god out. And was like how's that willie You're my got here first and was like yeah a hold three seconds before i pulled <laughs> in
0: <laughs> the cody <laughs> said just gotta butter up like the monsters <laughs> 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 Boy. oh my god it's amazing that's pretty well what i got because that's
2: like the one session oh. i played
0: <laughs> pat do you have any memorable <laughs> moments from games
2: you've played yeah uh the one that i always think of Is uh, from one of my earlier groups um, not as a kid but uh, when I was an adult uh, or when I am an adult (laughs) (laughs) uh, was we were playing AD&D at the time this was before third edition ever came out and we had played that campaign a good two and a half almost three years and the characters i think the highest level character was maybe 12 and that was the thief because the thieves could the they could the rogues they could advance a lot faster than anyone else but one of the main characters in the group and these were all original characters for this whole campaign one of the original characters died abruptly because of a mistake of another character and those guys i mean it went quiet for a good three or four minutes because they couldn't believe it happened and then one of the other characters the girl that was playing she just started crying <laughs> because he yeah. had died like in real life yeah yeah Like it, it, I feel legit. like it's like we need to yeah, yeah, right yeah like, like a real <laughs> life yeah. because these characters they I mean they, they had so much fun yeah. they did it, all this stuff together they were bonding because I think we played probably three or four times a week and some yeah. of these sessions were eight hours you get attached to these you get attached to
0: these characters and And really like
2: get the backstories. and and like the other character the ranger he did everything he could there wasn't a healer in the group unfortunately and how they survived this long without a healer was really amazing but the ranger in the group he did everything he could with what little abilities he had to try to bring the character back and I was giving him every chance in the world you know to try to extra chances to try to bring these characters back because as a good game master, you generally would rather see the story progress than these characters die and have to start yeah. over. But, I mean, he went as far as like, hey, give me one more chance. I will renounce my gods and open to everybody, <laughs> yelling at them, you know, that if I can't bring him back. And he didn't, so he lost all of his Ranger abilities and became a just a, like a generic fighter almost, but not even as good as a fighter. And the rogue of the group, he broke down like mentally, in real life, and as a character <laughs> broke down. And uh, the girl that was crying eventually. The next couple of days, when they, I mean, they went wild with the whole ceremonies to how they bury Whose him. Whose fault and was it that killed him? Too? It was the rogues. that makes sense. Yeah, he. Uh, <laughs> and that's what rogues do.
0: Because I wrote, we played the Cipher System Luminera, for I don't know. I'd, I'd say we played eight, nine months at least, a couple, at least two or three times a month. Yeah. And uh, my buddy's glaive, which is a, analogous to a rogue, was the reason my character, or my buddy's Jack, which is now analogous to a rogue, it's the reason my character, because rogues are notorious for killing people.
2: Well, <laughs> he, it, it was one of those situations where they saw some bad guys coming up on horseback, but it was only a couple of them. And he, instead of like being sneaky, because he was with the rest of the group, besides to just yell out and charge into them. Well, unbeknownst to them, there was a whole group of other ones coming around the bend, mm-hmm. and they just arrowed from their horseback and shredded through them, and the mage just went down. <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, then eventually, like, the that girl character that was bawling originally, she stole the body in the middle of the night (laughs) and she was she was going to find some nefarious means to bring him back because the rest of the group was just going to bury him and have it be done with Mm -hmm. you know so she stole him and went off on her own and eventually maybe a couple of months later the the, the campaign just kind of went further and further downhill because of that one death until everybody was like can we play something else? Because <laughs> they, they were just so hit by that. You know. They just didn't want to play it anymore. Well,
1: that's, that's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> that's really I mean, cool. you get attached to yeah, these characters. Yeah, I remember when we first started playing Pathfinder with Pat. That was every session started out. Now, remember, these are just characters <laughs> on a sheet. And... That was how we always started out, and if we'd get new people, and they'd always say, I remember, this is just a character on that you're playing. I always like
0: to uh, I like make a big dramatic show of it when somebody die. I mean, we play Call of Clues characters die all the time. I just keep, like, 30 or 40 character sheets oh, yeah. by, just in a folder <laughs> all the yeah. time. And uh, I always like to say, so hand me your character sheet. You've, you know, your hit points are zero, you die, whatever, the, whatever has happened for them to die, hand me your character sheet. And then I get to tear it up in front of them. That's you done that before. Know. Yeah, there are some though that we haven't torn up that have
2: died. Oh yeah.
0: If it's just a one shot character they just made and it didn't, you know, but if it's a character that's been in like multiple scenarios across things, I mean maybe they die here, maybe they come, maybe there's something that happened in between this scenario and the last one, and we can play that and let
3: them come through. Every rage got hit by a car and just kind of died, and we don't know what happened. <laughs> I have
0: all kinds of plans for Savage Rage right? mm-hmm. and you are playing him the next session. <laughs> Just letting you know. What if I decide to play Oh, friends? I'm going to be the real rotiest of... I'm going to be a damn conductor.
1: <laughs> I'm
0: going to
1: be
3: It's yeah. all to get Savage Rage right here so he can be snapped by this one
2: guy and then you we can continue the
0: story. You go yeah, the
2: others back or uh, to uh, stick out to? I mean, there are so many over the years... Um, some good and bad. I mean, I've went through the whole Dungeons and Dragons is the devil Uh, thing. I had that Uh, on the show to talk about the satanic panic with Dungeons and Dragons. And, you know, that whole What was that movie? Monsters and Mazes. Monsters and Mazes with Tom Tom Hanks. Hanks.
3: Yeah. That's not the one I think. There's one that's way cheap, like
0: cheap, cheap made. Uh, Dungeons and and Dragons. Monsters and Mazes (laughs) 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 with Tom Hanks. Tom Hanks wasn't in it. Are you talking about like the dungeon, like a Dungeons and Dragons movie, or a movie about the satanic panic of Dungeons and Dragons? A little bit of both. It was like a college campus,
3: and they were talking about like some sort of cult. Like Tron done a review on it. Oh,
1: you're talking about the one where they reversed the roles because they were in the uh, they were Dungeons and Dragons, and they were like they were the oh no, here come the D and D, the role players, <laughs> and like they come coolly walking in, like the like jock was afraid oh, of them because yeah, yeah. they were satanic. Oh, and it was yeah. it was some it was some big church that did it. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. Well, it was, it, so, it was yeah. fully supposed to be like I'm talking about how all satanic and they, they got this girl in to come play role playing with them and Dark Dungeons. Dark Dungeons, um, yeah. that's it. Yeah. There was
0: a one of the kids the, the the kid that killed his he killed his family killed his mom and dad and then he was on the stand. This is back in the eighties and this is in the book, came with it. Um and I can't remember his name. But he um gave one of the reasons, you know, why did you do it? he said Dungeons and Dragons he said, oh, yeah. I played Dungeons and Dragons that was it so that kind of spurred on then there was this detective that was really trying to like make a name for themselves in the media and so and I can't remember his name either which dude should be forgotten at the time um, who started saying you know this is this is what's causing this these children are going in their rooms they're summoning demons and doing this stuff like no we're doing math yeah. we're doing math with big lizards
1: that's what we're yeah. doing I'll never <laughs> forget that yeah. that animation the one uh, I can't think of the name of it or anything. The one where he's like, "Let's let's follow a real happening of this event. And mm-hmm. he was like, "They're eating Cheetos." And he's like, "All right, so what are you gonna do? Where am I at? You're at the bar. Oh, yeah. <laughs> he's there... that
2: old Final Fantasy character. Yeah. The are, are there any girls at the bar?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I the dark. Yeah, well, yeah. Quote that all <laughs> I know. I said I didn't want this at the beginning changed my mind
0: and now i do. <laughs> so, So the kid, that's a tangent, um, just, just quoting random bits from something people who are listening have never seen. I know. Uh, so the, the kid, it, he went to jail for murdering yeah. his parents. Of course. And he grew up and he sent, uh, so the one of the creative directors for Paizo was on this podcast I was listening to. And they were talking about like crazy letters they've got. He said, have you ever gotten any like you know, weird family. He said, yeah. He said, that guy. He said, so when we started, he said, it wasn't too long after we started, um, he and he named him, he sent us a letter. And it was essentially just apologizing for all the damage he did to like the view of Dungeons oh, and oh. Dragons. Like he, he just didn't know what to do. He was a kid who made an sure. incredibly life-altering and stupid mistake. But he was apologizing for, for that. And he said that was probably the, the wildest letter he'd ever gotten. They sent it to the dudes at Pathfinder.
1: Oh, wow. Yeah. That's pretty cool.
0: But I, I would also kind of argue uh, that, like, that satanic panic stuff might have worked a little bit in D&D's favor. Because yeah. people oh, yeah, were like, oh, what is going on with this? It's Dungeons and Dragons. Let's get it.
1: The old what saying, is- there's no such thing as bad publicity, only publicity. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of like well, the me. YouTube algorithm now it's
3: like people even comments on how much they hate the video. It's like that's nice and all, but you're interacting and that's yeah. just
1: making it more impactful. Well, I mean, a big example of that is the recent uh, the Hogwarts Legacy game. Mm-hmm. Like everybody's been talking about hating it on it and doing this. It's like the number one video uh, yeah. game streaming on Twitch right now because people have websites dedicated to finding people streaming and they're going there hating on them. Fools on them. They're giving them viewers. the idiots. Yeah, that's the...
0: Uh, yeah. That's, uh, I've seen people, like, buy copies and smash. And we're not going to get super into yeah, yeah, right. like, yeah, this. Yeah, yeah, But, like, people buying things to destroy it, just don't buy... It. Vote with your wallet. Yeah. Don't yeah. pay towards it. Now, there's all, all kinds of other stuff with, you know, not the, the face behind it, but the people who have lives that go into that. You know, like, you're going to boycott a game. Well, there are game designers, and there's, you know, people that write right for the game. There's all kinds, there's hundreds upon hundreds of people yeah. that go into this that aren't just that figurehead that are affected by this thing. Oh, yeah. yeah. We're gray area. We're oh, not yeah. it. Yeah. Um, buy what you want to do, do what you want to do. That's Just don't don't hurt people or animals. There you go. So let's move on. Well, actually,
1: I didn't get to say my memorable moments. I was talking about my memorable yeah, moments. You don't have memorable moments. Okay. I have
0: all kinds of memorable moments. None
1: of them that we haven't talked about Savage Rage. It's okay.
0: <laughs> Actually, my couple don't involve Savage Rage. I don't believe that for uh, a, <laughs> <laughs> well, a lot We play a lot of games together. A lot of our stuff overlaps. Almost all of mine are Call of Cthulhu. I had a... a girl, and So there, there's a mechanic in Call of Cthulhu, and it's the sanity mechanic. And so as your character experiences more incredible and awful things and uh, that thin veil of of truth begins to be torn open and the horrors that lie just under the surface of you know your mind begin to creep in your sanity can drop and it's very much a role play heavy mechanic so it's not like health stuff like that where oh i take two damage that's very empirical i have 10 health i start with 10 health i take two damage i have eight health, right i know how to to interact with that when i get to zero i'm dead right so that that's that's that if i want to role play that a little bit i can say my character's a little woozy and stuff sanity works like that in that if you get to zero you're dead because your mind just completely breaks but it's also as you begin to lose it it's a very role play heavy mechanic like you have to buy into it. So you know if I if I describe to you that your sanity is beginning to slip, you know you see something and you lose one d6 sanity, which means you'll take a d6 dice and roll it one time, and lose whatever amount comes up on that. It's then up to you to portray how that affects your character. You know you you describe that walk through. It. After you lose so much sanity from a single roll, though, in Call of Cthulhu, um, you have what we're about, called bouts of madness so if you lose more than five sanity as a result of a single sand loss you have a bout of madness and so this these guys we were running edge of darkness which is another wonderful call of cthulhu scenario and um, two of my investigators were inside doing a ritual to stop the quote unquote big bad of the scenario Uh, one of my investigators was outside kind of protecting the house from these things that were coming as a result of the big bad being dealt with and he saw something. That made him break. Well, the investigators inside simultaneously used all their magic points. Because you have magic points in Call of Cthulhu. Because magic has consequences. It's not like, I'm a wizard. I'm just going to cast these spells. It's, you know, doing magic has a can take a physical toll on your body. And so when you hit zero, you pass out. Well, they used expended all their magic points to do this ritual, and they passed out. Well, there was also blood all over the ground where they were doing this ritual, and they had to do things to start this up. My investigator outside had a bout of madness. And so he, or he, he lost some sand from seeing this stuff. And so he said, I'm going inside. I'm going in because he was hearing things. And when he came in, he saw his friends on the ground motionless. And this just chaos around where they had created this ritual. And successfully pulled it off. But he didn't know because he'd been outside. It's that metagaming versus personal knowledge type of thing. player at the table absolutely knew they had pulled this off and what he was looking at. But the character didn't. He came in, saw them down and saw his friends dead and took another hit of sand loss. And this one was just enough to push him into about a temporary madness. And so what was happening is when he tried to flee, he was then exiting the house and coming in through another doorway. And he would try to run down the stairs into the basement and he would find himself coming down from the second store. So every door he was trying to get out of the house from was leading him back in and he role played it so well. And I described it to him and he was certain about how his his heart was beginning to beat and he could feel his pulse race and he was wiping sweat off his face. And every time he'd stare back, he could hear, you know, the things outside gnashing at him. And he finally stopped in the middle and and he had rolled. You have to roll to determine how many rounds these things last. And I had rolled kind of behind the scenes to see how long this was going to last on him. And he was maybe a couple rounds, which is maybe three or four more times or probably less than that. Two or three more times of him just interacting with this bout of madness for me to say, okay, it begins to calm down. And he stopped and he said, I, he doesn't know what to do. He's going to, he's going to eat his gun. And I thought, at first, he meant he's going to eat the gun. <laughs> actually put
3: some salt and pepper on right it.
0: And then he, you know, just has his character take his own life. And it was just like, and we were all sitting there, and it was just a really powerful role-play moment, mm-hmm. like, and it was it was so good and TJ got into it so well morning I know it can be a touchy subject for some people but these are these are stories that people can get into and kind of let their own their own selves be in their own worries their own experiences and, and, and TJ's life's been touched by it. stuff like that that I know and so it's just really neat to see people get into character and kind of get loose and let loose and, and build these just amazing situations. Yeah,
2: I mean, this sometimes is the only chance a lot of people get to express themselves. Yeah. yeah, oh, yeah. So, how was
0: it for you, Cody, um, coming into it initially? You know, I know we can all talk about our, our first time doing it, but how was your first time? How did it feel when you uh, when you were trying to like role play and do that stuff?
3: It was kind of starting a little slow, yeah, because like it's not something I'm really used to because I, I was coming from playing like. Final Fantasy where it gives me the character I see what they're doing I know where they came from and all of right.
0: this. You're not making you're, you're making its decisions but you're making its decisions within a the constraints of that world, right? It's not a right. I'm going to go try to do this whatever I want to do. Right, so like, it's like it's a little overwhelming to start with because
3: it's like I have all this freedom. Mm-hmm. I don't know what I'm doing with it. Mm-hmm. But it's like the longer you play the more you get into the story like for me it felt like I think it, it's almost Honestly, it wasn't really any different than sitting down, like trying to play like the game within the confines because, like, it's almost like you playing as the character, just seeing the story through their eyes. Mm -hmm. So, it's a little little interesting to be able to sit down and almost basically create your own world within the world you're given.
0: Yeah, that's a good way to put it. You're creating your story within that world, and and you get to carve that out as a player. A good DM will let you carve that out. Like there are DMs that will railroad you. And when we say railroad, I mean like slap you on rails. This is how my story is gonna go. You're gonna go from point A to point B, to point C to point D, you're done. You're not going off somewhere, doing all this other stuff. And, and there are times when that that's okay. You know, maybe you need to get these guys to this other point, you need to make them stop chasing the porcupine, which I did in Numenera for two hours. And our DM let me do that. <laughs> I was trying to befriend this creature And, I mean, we role-played it for two. I mean, a solid two hours of me trying to catch this thing, and it just constantly biting me. (laughs) I bet I lost 15 hit points. In Numenera, you take damage based on your your dice, so you don't have, like, HP. You have your statistic pool, and you take damage based on your statistic pool. And I bet I lost, like, half of mine, my entire pool, trying to get this thing to be my friend, and it wouldn't be. But you know, and then there's there's different kinds of DMs. There's DMs that just say yes to everything, let you do whatever you want to do. Maybe you'll get to the end of the story. Maybe we'll go somewhere completely different. And we'll figure it out. And you gotta kind of, and I'm sure everybody who's ran a game will agree with me here. You gotta be able to roll with the punches and what the characters
1: do, and what the because play, the players are always going to do something. Well, the, the real answer is there's no there's no right answer yeah. how to DM. I mean, there's just different people DM differently. That's all it is. But I mean, in my experiences, being able to have a DM who can morph around the things that we do mm-hmm. has been always a better experience personally.
0: I would say and I want your guys' thoughts on this. My my only thing is as far as like a right or wrong way to DM, I view don't be the adversarial DM. You are not playing against your players. That is not how this goes. There is not a winner and a loser to this mm-hmm. game. You are there to make, to facilitate
2: fun for them and fun for yeah, you. I was going to say, the only way to win is to have fun. That's yeah. my opinion. I never yeah. understood the game masters that you see set up, and there's they yeah. have like little stickers of skull and crossbones of all the players they killed, and they're out there to yeah. TPK that group the best they can. The
0: total player kill is what yeah. TPK <laughs> means. It means when a, a, a situation or encounter leads to the death of the entire party.
2: Now if the party themselves get themselves killed, yeah. I mean that's fine. But actively doing everything you can within the game's constraints to kill those players yeah. off, I never understood that.
0: You have an unfair advantage too. I mean, oh, you, yeah. you know, yeah, I mean, you're you are lord and master of this world. I mean, I've played I mean, with guys that
2: have they have just gotten frustrated with the group or you know, that he just didn't like the fact that he didn't do enough damage or kill this character off. Walk into the next room, uh, you all fall to your death. <laughs>
1: that's
2: it. <laughs> well, that's not fun for anybody. <laughs> yeah. What was the what was the old
1: story? Uh, Shane used to talk about all the time. The guy who uh, they they opened the door and it was a what was an orb of a uh, orb of annihilation. Orb of annihilation, and he was just like, uh, and you guys are dead. And they were like, what? And they had played this campaign for uh, like a year, and nobody really cared for the DM, but they continued to play it, and. He just
2: had them open a the door and just it was an orb of annihilation. No, and, what it was, it was like a dark door you couldn't see through, and yeah. the players were, would go through the darkness. And just behind the darkness was an orb of annihilation. And as soon as you touched it, you were dead. <laughs> yeah, he just he
1: just killed the entire party. He was like, All right, give me a friend of the player sheets. You're dead. That's stupid. And then, yeah.
3: Yeah.
0: you as a player who not having played this stuff, like, how would you feel if, like, like, if that was
3: my first session, Yeah. I probably wouldn't want to play again. Just right.
1: Well, this was apparently a documentary Shane was telling us about, yeah. and he said the next scene of the documentary was just him going, and then they never played with me again for some reason. <laughs>
3: <laughs> so I, mean, I at the very least, I wouldn't play with that guy again. Yeah, yeah, it was.
1: Just, it's not fun, to, especially that scenario. Like, there's nothing you could do. It's yeah. just you walk through the door and you die. I it's
3: think it's fair if he gives me every chance
1: in the world and I still kill myself. Yeah. but <laughs> it's the I've I've actually don't think I've had a player die. In our campaigns i'm trying to think yes ricky in ricky's campaign oh, yeah. once i had yeah. one but i mean it's fun if your player dies it can still you can still have a fun experience when you're fighting a battle yeah. and you're tooth and nail and, and then you die something happens in the die or if you you're trying to go through an obstacle something like that like you're really putting yourself your character to do something and it doesn't work out, and you die is fun. You want to have
0: agency in your own demise, yes. right? Like as long yeah, as yes. you understand this, because there's a lot of times, like high stakes in a situation can be fun. Mm-hmm. You know, we just we just had that in in our group or in our, uh, the the Dresden Files, I mean, like. And I, I told you at the end of it, I was tense the entire the, the fact that all three of us made it out of it blew my mind, um, but like I was tense the entire time especially when Xander was just being torn apart by that vampire yeah. and I knew like okay I gotta get my character ready. I'm gonna try to prevent this and if I go down at least it's gonna be a cool roleplay moment where I got to sacrifice myself
1: to save Xander's character <laughs> yeah I ran over to the boss <laughs> because he was fighting my fellow knight yeah that's Brittany still talks about the campaign that she ran I, I don't remember the lighthouse oh
0: yeah that was the first and, one with uh, with a deep one or yeah. I,
1: no, I don't want to spoil yeah, she still yeah, talks light, about light. how she was fighting. Lightless beacon is what it's called. Lightless beacon. She Very
0: was, cheap on drive-through RPG. If anybody wants to pick it up, go support those people.
1: She still talks about how her character died. She was fighting with that, that thing. She's fighting with three of them. Yeah, and we, you know, we were going to, and they fell off. And mm-hmm. she, she still talks about that because she <laughs> had fun. Yeah, the agency she, in it was yeah the agency into it. She still loves that. So I mean that I think that makes a difference. I think there's
0: situations. I apologize, guys, for monopolizing the conversation. I think At least say nothing else. For me. <laughs> I like the sound of my own voice. And I think there are there are situations that can call for, like we said, like a harder game. Like as long as, and, and that's another key to running these games. Make sure the expectations of the group are clear, and that each of your players know what they're getting into. Don't bring somebody to the table who is you know completely introverted, doesn't want to have any like like real rough situations or, I mean, even content warnings. There's some people that run some really like rough games oh, yeah. as far as the, the material that are in there. And if that's what people want to, and everybody's mature enough to deal with that or then go for it, but don't bring somebody in that doesn't understand that what's going on. That's a big thing. It's all the social contract of it. So that being said, here's a question for everybody. There's just a real quick question. Pat, do you prefer to be the, the dungeon master or do you prefer to be a player?
2: I enjoy playing as a player character, but I love, absolutely love being the guy running the game, the game master, the dungeon master, the keeper, all that kind of stuff. To me, I also am already playing multiple player characters as NPCs Mm -hmm. and monsters and also get to tell a story and see where that story develops with the player characters in the group. Because I never know where the adventure is going to go.
1: He says, as uh, I have seen Pat, jump giddy when somebody's <laughs> like, well, I can in the session if you want. He's like, he's like throwing the books. He's like, we're done with this campaign. Let's do it.
2: <laughs> <laughs> it's fun to take breaks. I, okay. have
0: n- I have never played Call of Cthulhu. I've never been a player for
1: Call oh. of Cthulhu. And I say
0: that all the time, but really? I've li- not one time have I been a player at a game of Call of Cthulhu. I have taught it at conventions. I've ran it online. Dozens of times I've done probably almost, I've probably ran close to now 200 and some games, 200 odd games of Call of Cthulhu I've never played it once.
2: Well, that's all Usually you're introduced into it first and then mm. find out that you like running the games.
0: Cody, would you, you ever think you're going to run your own game?
2: i probably attempt it at least
3: once, but you know, I don't have an answer to say exactly if I like one or the other. Never ran one.
1: Me neither i so am um, only been player.
3: I, I wouldn't care to attempt the Steinhearts, but
0: yeah. Okay, so we we we've, we're almost at the absolute maximum we want to go in time. So we're to mm-hmm. run through a couple things real quick. Mm-hmm. One, they, I found some interesting, like, r- rule sets. So game versions for for role playing, but some interesting tabletop RPG rule sets. And the first one is called BESM. Does sorry, anybody self-play. know what BESM means? Is anybody familiar with this? BESM. I'm
2: familiar with the system, but I've never played it. Or
0: BESM. You know what it stands for. If you it. if you know, Pat, don't say.
2: Okay, yeah. Actually, I'm sorry, I've never played it, but I actually have several books. Um, You're gonna have to
0: bring the books because
2: I want to see these books. It's actually influenced the some of the games that we've been playing recently. Big eagles and mighty snakes.
0: Hey, you're close. You, you're kind of oh. close. Yeah, it's B E S M stands for Big Eyes, Small Mouth.
3: Uh, Can anybody
0: guess what it, the theme it what it has to do with? Snails. <laughs>
2: well,
0: I, what yeah. if I showed you the?
2: It's an uh, anime. Of course, an anime. Based. It's, it's anime because they got the big
0: eyes,
1: little yeah. mouth. mouths. Finally, released their own anime system. Yeah. yeah. Okay.
0: So it's, a, a Big Eyes Small Mouth is a tabletop role-playing game originally produced by Guardians of Order in 97. Yep. Wow. That was designed to simulate the action of anime and manga. The title alludes to the common anime drawing style of characters with large expressive eyes and comparatively small mouths. <laughs> wow, in
1: 97, way. so you had to speak at the different pattern of your mouth, move, right? <laughs> <Maybe>. <laughs> here's another, oh, that's true. Here's another that
0: I just saw the name for, and I didn't look up anything about this system because I didn't want to. And it's called Do or Doe, Pilgrims of the Flying Temple. <laughs> I
2: don't nice. think I've heard
0: of that one. <laughs> There's Justifiers. Anybody heard of Justifiers? No. Uh, Is it Justifiers? Nope, it's Justifiers. Um, they are just- ones who justify. They oh, are the okay. Justifiers. Science fiction space adventure system in which player characters select from 28 humanoid animal types, including bats, albatrosses, eel monsters, and rhinos, and... It's a furry system. Of course it is. It actually looks kind of cool. It reminds me a lot of like the Ninja Turtles. This is Josh announcing his furry. Oh, I've never done fir- that,
1: buddy. What's your first song, Josh?
0: Huh? What's My first fursona? I've had several. Oh. If she's into it, I'm into it. Right <laughs> so
2: <gonna> if.
0: <laughs> anyway, we're going to edit all this out, Travis. <laughs> <laughs> the game. The game features a skill-based system which character class dictates what skills a character has. Um, it's percentage role. Uh, Do you ever play the Ninja Turtles RPG? Yeah, yeah Palladium. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Ninja Turtles is essentially furries. You can be no. mul- you know, animals. There's yeah. camels and everything. There.
2: There's so much to that Palladium system. Oh, yeah. But it can also be the most disappointing game you've ever played, too.
0: <laughs> and, and then this one here. This one's called Rapture. The Second yes. Coming.
2: Yes, I actually saw that at Gen Con when I went down there and almost mm-hmm. picked that one up out of... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's tagline... It's curiosity.
0: It's tagline, Rapture, The Second Coming, a role-playing game of theological terror. Huh. Well, the well, I don't know how to take wow. that. Yeah, I didn't know it was going to be like, Jesus is back, and he's pissed.
1: What they're just, really like buying into the undead or that's, I don't, I'm don't. i trying to figure that out like how that plays out it's like everybody's disappearing well the book right.
0: well, yeah have... the book has like the four horsemen on yeah. it
2: it's, it's got a oh, lot oh lot
1: you're battling the four horsemen there's maybe lo-
2: there's a lot of fantasy like horror things like demons well, and, and a just be like, yeah just that's a what I figured out. So? sort of yeah Okay. All
0: right. So real quick, with our with our last bit of time here, we're gonna go a little bit. Two hours is the absolute maximum we want to go. Yeah. We are approaching that um, rapidly. So I just want to ask everybody, what are their what's their advice for people looking to get into the hobby? Do you have any advice for people looking get into the hobby, Pat? you can go Yeah. First.
2: Um, the best thing you can do is probably go to your local hobby store. That's like the first thing I would imagine. Uh, but with social media, you could probably find several local groups that way as well. Yeah. It uh, was online play, But it there's always, you can ask the store owner or somebody that's there looking at the hobby itself, you know, hey, do you know of any lo- local groups? And usually a store owner, if he's nice enough, will point you into several directions or try to get you connected with somebody. Because generally, as a retailer point of view, that's probably going to be more product you're going to sell. Mm. And, you know. But, uh, yeah, don't, and don't be afraid because there is a lot of stigmata out there compared to or portraying players as, uh, you know, and in, in role-playing in general as, you know, people you probably don't want to hang around. It's just not the truth. I mean, that is probably a very minuscule 1% of role-players out there that really you probably can't have a good time with.
0: I think right now, like with with the with critical role, there's just a oh, yes. resurgence of role play It's huge coming out. Yeah.
2: yeah,
0: Aaron, you got any advice for people looking to get into Any advice for like playing, like when they're playing in their first
1: game? Do's um, don'ts. My advice for playing the game is have try to have fun. Uh, rule of cool it always exceeds, um, and don't you always don't ever feel like there's a wrong answer. Do what you want to do. If it's not going to work out, the DM is going to tell you. That's my advice. Or at least tell you, you can try it. Yeah, yeah. they'll tell you. Yeah, if it's Pat, they'll say, yeah. you can try. And then, you can't. <laughs> Cody, you got any advice for people as, as the the newbie?
3: Uh, my only one would be, uh, don't be afraid to actually play your character. Because there was a few times I was like, I mean, I can, you know, meta game, the way you said. I was like, I can just ignore that. But that's not really the nature of the game.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, don't min-max That's also uh, don't be one of those Some guys. Like don't if be like those it, guys like it, it. who only min-max and want the best of the best and ridicule everyone else just okay. because. Don't of ridicule it. everyone else. But if you
3: like it, do don't,
0: it.
1: Don't be a dick
0: about it. Yeah, just I mean, just to piggyback off of what everybody said, I mean, my, my big piece of advice would be like I, like I said earlier, you get out of this stuff what you put into it, and rules are always secondary. The whole fun aspect of this is that it's very, it it is what you make of it. Like there's no board, there's no winner or loser here. It's just, let's sit down, tell a story and have fun. And if you look at something and say, well, I don't really know, there's a lot of math, for these rules, talk to your DM and figure out a way to make it a little simpler. You know, it's not, no one's gonna come and take your books away if you don't wanna add 17 modifiers to your attack. And you just want to figure out one flat number to try to do something. or Rules are secondary. Having fun is the main goal. Alright! Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's our show. Don't be a dick. <laughs> okay. so, is, that long?
1: is that the title? Yes. <laughs>